You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour two on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Well, this news that's just coming out probably could have affected what the Saints were going to do at the trade deadline. Ian Rappaport reporting that Michael Thomas makes the announcement he is done for the season. I wondered if the Saints would reach out to the Cleveland Browns for Odell Beckham Jr. I wondered if the New Orleans Saints would reach out to the Denver Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe we need to extend the trade deadline for another day if you're the New Orleans Saints. But uh, as it stands, Teddy Bridgewater is still in Denver. OBJ is still in Cleveland. Doesn't sound like he's a happy camper there. His dad even speaking on his behalf. LeBron James even weighed in that uh, free OBJ that he'll uh, again prove that he's a number one wide receiver. All righty. Show's already in progress. Welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. The reason why the Texans did not take a lesser deal for Deshaun Watson. That story coming up in a little bit. Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle. On the Bearcats on the outside of the top four, in fact, top five, they're sixth right now in the rankings. And uh, we'll have that conversation with Coach coming up in an hour from now. It might not be wise to react too strongly to the weekly college football rankings because there's a lot of football left to be played. The committee reserves the right to change its mind at any, any time. And, you know, the first one does give an indication of their thinking because Cincinnati's now number six. They're undefeated. It's a clear sign they don't respect the Bearcats' performance against lower-level competition. They did have the win against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. That should be big. But it all sort of plays out. You know, Michigan State plays Ohio State. That's number three and number five. Georgia eventually is going to play number two, Alabama, in the SEC title game. Number eight, Oklahoma, will start playing some good teams. They can move up. You never know what kind of weird upsets are going to happen. It feels like it's week in and week out where you go, what just happened? You can talk about the rankings, but take it with a grain of salt. This could end up be a, a really a challenging year for the committee because normally the more debate, the better. And in, then se- uh, in that sense, this is shaping up to be an intriguing finale to the college football season. But we'll talk to the Cincinnati head coach. You had Ohio State losing to Oregon. That's a big win for Oregon. Can Oregon win out? We thought after beating Ohio State, you'd win out, you're going to be in the Final Four. Alabama, we expect them to be there. Michigan State with the win against Michigan. But then if Ohio State Michigan uh, beats Michigan State, then Michigan State's going to drop out. If Michigan State beats Ohio State, can Ohio State still get in with two losses? Oklahoma's the team that I would keep an eye on. If I'm Cincinnati or you know some of these other, the outliers, they got a quarterback. They're playing a whole lot better. But uh, Georgia, even with a loss, in the SEC title game, Georgia is still going to be in the Final Four. Can Alabama still get in if Alabama would lose to Georgia and have two losses? What about Oregon? Um, I don't think they can get in if they have two losses. Cincinnati has just got to be patient. Um, you know, college game day is going to be there at the University of Cincinnati this weekend. Just make sure you don't lose. You know, you can't have these close games because it feels like it, it's held against you. you got to make sure you don't give them an excuse to take you out of the running for the national championship. And I think, you know, this is where you, 
they're supposed to base it in what they see now, what's happening now. But this is really based on legacy. And Cincinnati doesn't have a football legacy. Luke Fickle's done a wonderful job there. And Cincinnati is willing to go anywhere to play anybody. They went to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not wanting to go to Cincinnati to play Cincinnati. And Cincinnati doesn't have a great schedule. Don't get tripped up by Houston. And Houston is sneaky. They're sneaky good. But Cincinnati has just got to make sure they hold serve and then let all the other conferences play out. And then maybe you can slide in with that uh, fourth spot. But that's about it. It's not, hey, you're undefeated. We're going to put you at number two. I get the feeling, and I have nothing to base this on. Just gut feeling of covering college football for many decades here. You don't want to put a team in that you have to take them out. Cincinnati is that team. If you put them in, they keep winning, then what's your excuse? It is a TV show, first and foremost, in my opinion. You want to have the big names in there. You want the big record, you know, crowd, audience, ratings, all of that. It's not fair to the underdog. You know, March Madness has all of these teams, 68 teams, so everybody gets a chance to be in. That's what we love about it, the underdog. Cincinnati is an underdog. Are they going to draw eyeballs? Probably not. But I think the committee probably looked at this and said, if we put them in and they go undefeated, what is our strategy or logic to say, hmm, we're going to take them out with the final ranking here? Are you going to put somebody in with two losses ahead of them? Even somebody with one loss ahead of them. Head-to-head matters. You saw that with Oregon against uh, the Ohio State, beating them in Columbus. That's really big. But we tend to overreact with the first one. I understand Cincinnati overreacting because I think you could be left out because I think the committee wanted to make a statement to not put you in in the first place. And you can look at strength of schedule. I understand all of that. But Cincinnati is still, just watch them play. It's a good team. Really good team. Are they a great team? No, but I don't think there is a great team. I don't think Georgia is a great team. I think they have a great defense. Alabama is a great team? I don't know. But it's Alabama. Oregon. I don't know if Oregon's that good. I don't even know if they're settled on their quarterback. Ohio State, I think, is a really good team. But Michigan State, if Michigan State wins, then what's that say about Ohio State? What's that say about Michigan State? There's always an outlier. There's always a team where you go, "Uh uh-oh, that team is going to get into the Final Four, and there's always a team or two that end up fifth and sixth, and we go, God, they got screwed. Every year, that's what happens. Yeah, Paul. Cincinnati's trying to schedule teams. Cincinnati football next year plays Indiana, which is, you know, you're playing a Big Ten team, and they play at Arkansas. Can you do something, Dan? Can you, how about this? How about this for a new uh, idea? If Cincinnati finishes fifth, they get to play the national title winner next year to open the season. Let's just throw that out there. That'd be good TV. Yeah, but if I'm the national title winner, why do I want to play Cincinnati? Yeah, force it. Let's make it happen. Mm, (laughs) Pressure. mm. Well, you know, enjoy this now or not enjoy this now because in a couple of years we're going to have 12 teams in. And then no one will have any argument. Because if you don't make 12, that's like when somebody doesn't make it into the field of 68, I go, no, 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 no. 
you you got no reason to be upset here. Yes. Yeah, but that's I love that, though, where now you can say like, OK, all right. Now you're in. Now you got to win. You know, put your money where your mouth is kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. But when, you know, these coaches get upset, look at our resume. We should have been in the field of 68. And then you just want them to slow down and say that line one more time. The field of 68. Yes, McLovin. How much of it is brands like yes, Ohio State's a brand? It's big. It's, it's huge. Because you look at the, I know the committee wants to do the right thing, right? Whatever the right thing is. Well, I don't know what that right thing is. Because to me, it feels like have an underdog in there. Have a team that has a chance. Like give, give them hope. That's why we're going to expand to 12. Because I, for forever, I railed against the BCS because I said it's only two teams and it's usually two of the same teams out of the six that we normally have that are playing for a national championship. We love hope. We love the underdog. And college football doesn't reward that. And when we get to 12, then we're going to have that. Yeah, McLovin. But they, they put in a charity case last year with Notre Dame, and that didn't really work Oh, out. wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I just know there's so many wow. Notre Dame fans in the room. I couldn't, where, I couldn't resist. Where did that wow. left hook come from? All new fan base. Yeah. Fans. Yeah, yeah. I haven't offended the uh, – yeah, that's a big one right there. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes, Eaton. I'm still traumatized by uh, Notre Dame, Alabama a few years ago when they just got Ooh. absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, God, I hope Notre Dame doesn't make it again. I don't want to watch that anymore. That's when you're watching and you go, Notre Dame seems to move at a different speed than Alabama. Slower. Big brothers versus little brothers. Yeah, slower. 100%. Yes, yes. Uh, James in Cincinnati. Hi, James. What's on your mind today? What up, DP? Hi, bud. Six foot, uh, pissed off 190. Oh. All right. I mean, like you just said, you kind of hit on all this, but... Last night was an absolute clown show. I now know why you left the mothership. I mean, the committee and Gary Barter, that guy's never even played football. And they're, the fact that they're putting UC out of the top six to set the tone, it does mean something because, like you just said, if they're not in the top four, now they, don't have, now they have a reason not to pull them out or don't have to give a reason. Yep. I got a question for you. What does the AP poll mean to you? Um, you know, they don't mean much to me anymore. They used to a long time ago, James, but they, they don't. Right. right. So what, what's the point of even having one and putting teams ranked all year? They should just do this college football show every week from week one, because currently I got some numbers for you, DP. Okay. Teams ranked by the AP currently that weren't ranked last night in the college football ranking show. Number 16, UTSA, 8-0 currently. Number 20, Houston, 7-1, wasn't in. Number 21, Coastal, 7-1. Number 23, SMU, 7-1. Number 24, Louisiana, 7-1. Instead, they decided to put in NC State at 6-2 at number 19. Minnesota at 6-2 at number 20. Wisconsin, who's got three losses, five and three at 21. Pitt, number 25 with two losses. It doesn't make sense. They want to make all these cases. Michigan State, they win one big game. Like you said, everybody's on a high. They beat IU by five and OT. UC beat them by 14. They beat Nebraska by three. Bama, they lost as a 19-point favorite at Texas A&M. Oregon, they lost to three and five Stanford. Beat Cal by seven. 
OSU lost to Oregon, snuck by Penn State. They haven't played anybody else. Our strength of schedule is two points behind them. And then on top of that, we have a top two. We have one of the best road wins in the country, top two behind Oregon's win at Ohio State at Notre Dame when they were number nine in the country and were one of two teams to be in the top ten in offensive defensive efficiency. Last night showed us, showed me at least, from Cincinnati's perspective, we have no chance to get in. It's not even a point of play, and they might as well just play in a separate league. All right. It's, well, it's James, James, you need to be on the committee. Yes, Eaton. I mean, if you're going to call in with an opinion, at least have some facts <laughs> and some do a little bit of research before you call in with an opinion. I just I, I want to caution <laughs> fan bases though, because we get we think it's this is how it's going to go. It's not going to go this way. It just doesn't every year. You go, oh, wow, they just dropped out. Oh, they just moved up. It's the first one. It's not the last one. And Cincinnati can still hold on for dear life. Don't make a mistake. Have, you know, some win with style points here and let the other teams, other conferences kind of beat up on each other. And then maybe, maybe you sneak in at number four. But I don't think you're going to get higher than that because – this might be one of those where the committee doesn't want Cincinnati in. That's why they didn't put him in last night, in my opinion, because they don't want to take them out when they continue to win. But win the rest of your games. And then, you know, leave no doubt. The committee would love to put Georgia against Cincinnati. Didn't they meet in the bowl game last year? Didn't Cincinnati go toe-to-toe with uh, Georgia last year? I believe get some of my best people on this. Yes, McLeod. I believe you're right. The Peach Bowl. And they should have won that game. Cincinnati was better than Georgia last year. Yeah, Georgia won 24-21. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those where, oh, how would they do against the big... Okay, they, they played them. Georgia's not going to go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati would go to Georgia. You meet in a bowl game. It's not like you can hide there. It's like, all right, we'll play them. Cincinnati went toe-to-toe with Georgia last year. But I think Cincinnati's got, from you know a, a scout that I talked to, they have three guys that are going to play in the NFL on defense next year. They got a really good quarterback. Ritter's a really good quarterback. Um, he'll be in the conversation for the Heisman. Luke Fickle's been a great coach. But you know, this is about getting eyeballs on big games in college football. Yeah, Paul. A year ago today, the Final Four was released. The Top Four was released. It was Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Those same four teams ended the season in the top four and played in the final four. That doesn't help my argument that I was just making there. See, Paulie. Oh, sorry about that. What are you, I, you're not supposed to have stats. My bad. I heard all that right. other guy with all the numbers. I was trying to help Cincinnati here. It's my hometown. They, they're going to need it. Yeah. That was a huge anomaly last year, by the way. Yeah. I think it was Thank COVID. You, the only time it's ever happened. Sunday night, Ryan Tannehill and the Titans head to L.A. to battle Aaron Donald and the Rams. That's Sunday at 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. More phone calls coming up. Got a poll question. Uh, anything else that we need to mention here so far? By the way, we spent a lot of time first hour talking about the Braves. Probably spent more time talking about the Astros. But uh, congrats to the Braves as they uh, win four games to two. Uh, anything else that needs to be mentioned here, McLevin? Uh, we're a buzz over here, Dan. A buzz. Yeah, we're uh, high. Y- yes, but that's not what I meant in okay. this particular case. Okay. 
We have this this dumb NFL oh. tweet that is just like with everything going on, it can't help but take over. Okay, I I have so much going on. I'm I'm trying to fit it all into three hours, and then I get. Paulie sends me something. He goes, hey, we should play this game. And then he sends me a tweet. And I go, oh, Paulie, if we do it, then that's that's the rest of the show. Yes, Eden. Your uh, ability to ignore everybody, though, as they've been pitching it, has been pretty, I know. pretty fun to watch. I've been trying. <laughs> you went in the back room and started cleaning up the mail room. I, I've been trying, trying for a half hour that I'd walk out during the commercial break. And Paulie goes, hey, I, I go, oh, hold on, Paul. And then I would walk away and I'd come back and then I'd get McLovin and go, hey, do you want to? No, no, hold on, hold on. We'll wear you down. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. We'll come back. I'll ask the question and we can give our answers and then everybody else can. 17 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. COVID-19 era scams follow the news. Phony promises of financial assistance to fake access to vaccines. There's so much going on. And they want to trick you into believing something is wrong, steal your personal information, tap into your bank accounts. They put in dangerous software on your devices. Uncertainty, doubt, fear. That's what cyber crime is all about. Identity theft affecting our lives every day. And we put so much information at risk on the Internet. And in an instant, cyber criminal could take what's yours. That's why it's great that it's LifeLock, helping you detect a wide range of identity threats, uh, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, they send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. Keep what's yours with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Promo code Patrick, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go to LifeLock.com. Promo code Patrick, 25% off. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I have relinquished. I've been beaten down. The Danettes wore me down. I tried to hold out. I couldn't do it. They're just too powerful. All right, McLovin. Explain the tweet that you got that you would like to now infuse in, into this award-nominated program. All right, this is from the NFL's official Twitter feed. Name your all-time starting offense. QB, RB, two wide receivers, and one tight end. Right. That simple. Right. Yes, Paul. What are the parameters about this? Like you're the best players of all time, or you're putting together an offense to win a game, or five guys at their peak to win a title? Are there any parameters in your head? I have not re read anything about parameters. No, I think there's, there's no other guidelines here. Just name your all-time starting offense. Who's your quarterback? Go ahead. Oh, me? I yeah. go first? Yeah. All right. My five are Joe Montana, Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski. Okay. Seton? TV 12, Natch. Uh, Barold Sanders. At running back. Yeah. Randy Moss and Antonio Brown are my wide receivers. Tony Gonzalez and, is my tight end. Antonio Brown? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You need that, like, sort of, like, smallish but speedy quick guy. Everybody knew. For seven years, everybody knew he was getting the ball, and he still put up, like, 250 yards a game. And Edelman was out there, and you passed? Yes, McLovin. Well, you know I like to go against the grain, so I have a completely different list. Yeah. I'm going with Tom Brady, quarterback. Randy Moss at one wide receiver, 
Some kid out of Mississippi Valley State named Jerry Rice at the other wide receiver. Just, just say the name. Barry Sanders and Gronk. I have the same exact names <laughs> as these guys. Okay. All right, Todd, let's go. I got to get to Tom Pelissero. John Elway, Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and Shannon Sharp. All right. Tom Pelissero covers the NFL, NFL Network, and uh, he joins us on the program. All right, go ahead. Build your, uh, build your team, Tom. Who's your quarterback, running back, wide receiver, right, wide receiver, tight end? Well, Dave, I first want to say when I initially saw that list, uh, I'm wondering, are we playing with 10 men on offense? Because I'm pretty sure you get either a third receiver, a second tight end, a fullback. So we really could add one, a flex spot, uh, if you will. My list is is not that different. (laughs) I I think it has to be Tom Brady at quarterback, just based upon the the history and seven championships. I think it's got to be, you know, running back is the hardest one for me. I would lean toward Barry Sanders because of what he did in the amount of time that he did it. Jim Brown's before my time. Uh, Emmett Smith, Walter Payton are in that conversation. I'd say it's Barry. Wide receiver, Jerry Rice, and I would say Randy Moss, just because you know, I remember watching him in 1998 and literally changed the way defenses had to play, changed the way, I mean, the Packers in 1999 drafted, I think, corners with their first three picks because they realized we're gonna have to deal with this guy forever. And Rob Gronkowski, because he's the biggest matchup nightmare that we've ever uh, ever seen at tight end. Yeah, I don't know if they're, you know, you can have favorites. You know, Fritzy's a Bronco fan, so he puts in John Elway or you know, puts in uh, Shannon Sharp. Um, and I have no problem with Elway in there either, because we can look at Tom Brady and say the resume, like, but is he the best quarterback? You know, and and he won all these Super Bowls, but is he still the best quarterback? If you said, hey, you know, Joe Montana, you got to win a game uh, or whoever your quarterback might be or John Elway. Is Tom Brady the best quarterback in that situation? I think it depends how you define best, because I don't think that you would look at last season. Remember, when the Bucks went into their bye in November, they weren't playing well offensively. They were yeah. kind of a mess. They looked like an average team. We were wondering, are they even going to make the playoffs? They obviously adjusted the offense. It became a lot more like what Brady had been running in New England. They went on an all-time uh, epic run. But I don't think if you said the body of work in 2020, was Tom Brady even in the top five quarterbacks for the if you take the entirety of the season? Yeah. Probably not. But there's more to playing quarterback than just being able to make unbelievable throws or run like Lamar Jackson or, you know, the freaky things you can do with your arm like Patrick Mahomes. I think that you have to look at the it is the intangibles. It is the leadership that you bring to the position. It's the consistency over a great number of years that uh, Tom Brady has shown. I mean, we can always go back to, you know, let's say eight years ago where there was a stretch of about a decade where the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl. And there were times where it was raised, you know, when they start out off to a bad start and how much longer does Tom have? And the guy goes to win several more championships. I mean, we've never seen anything like that. And just the the singular, the one driving force between those titles is Tom Brady, even going to a new building last year in Tampa, having COVID, no off season, just kind of rolling out there, completely changed the culture of the team. And they won a Super Bowl against what I would say would be all odds based on how they were playing just a couple months before the championship game. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network reporter, and uh, Thursday Night Football continues this week. Jets, Colts, that's on uh, Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. I was wondering if uh, I gave Sean Payton a do-over, given the Michael Thomas news that he's now out for the year, would they have made a run at Odell Beckham? Or 
Should they have brought in maybe Teddy Bridgewater, tried to you know, see if the Broncos were willing to trade him and pay part of that salary? Uh, the Saints didn't do anything. How surprising was that? Well, they tried. The Saints were actively involved on talks uh, for wide receivers, in particular Darius Slayton was one. Um, at some point, there may have been a conversation about Odell Beckham Jr. too. The issue with the conversations yesterday, and obviously they were sparked by Odell Beckham Sr. and LeBron James saying various things about freeing Odell from Cleveland. There was no way that the Browns could trade that contract. And it was too late to eat money like the Broncos did uh, with Vaughn Miller. So Beckham's due $14.5 million this year in base salary. Almost the entire thing's fully guaranteed. A new team, Saints or otherwise, would have had to take on $8.5 million. There's nobody in the league who is trying to take on any salary hardly, much less take on that amount of money for a guy who just hasn't been that productive. If you and our, our research people pulled up these numbers yesterday, Baker Mayfield, his passer rating is 20 points lower this season throwing to Odell versus anybody else. And Baker Mayfield has the lowest passer rating to Odell Beckham Jr., the lowest passer rating for a duo of anybody in the league going back to 2019 with at least 100 attempts. Those two, for whatever reason, and obviously there's a throw in Minnesota, Baker just misses Odell, could be a game-winning play, could change the entire tenor of the conversation. For whatever reason, those two have never clicked. Three years, the chemistry is not there. That contract just isn't tradable for a guy who's got, what, 17 catches, no touchdowns this season? Uh, you know, and, and frankly, if Odell had not had uh, a contract guarantee kick in while he was still rehabbing from his ACL, he probably wouldn't even be on the Browns this season. Yeah, it's just weird that, you know, people keep bringing up Odell Beckham and, you know, he brings about clicks. You know, when you talk about Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield, it's yeah. clicks. Therefore, he gets he's overexposed and, and right now overrated. But I can still watch a game and I don't hear his name called, Tom. Like, this is a guy that I'm being told, oh, you know, he's generational talent. Is this design? Is it uh, like, how do you have a lack of chemistry, communication or whatever it is with somebody that great that somehow you're not on the same page with him? Well, that's the real question, because these guys have had, even though Odell's had some injuries, obviously the ACL last year, he was limited through the course of training camp. They've had a lot of time on task together. And for whatever reason, it has not clicked. Now, Odell has had, I think, 34 targets this season. He's had 17 catches, so that's 50%, which, again, not a very good number. He's dropped a couple passes. He had opportunities on fourth down a couple of weeks ago. Didn't haul him in. He's playing with a significant shoulder injury right now, too, which you have to evaluate uh, as part of the conversation. I go back to the training camp this year, and you know, at that time, Odell was not doing team drills yet. This is like halfway through training camp. But you stand there on the sideline and you watch him and the quick twitch that he has to him, how fast he is, how agile he is. And you still go, how is this guy not one of the best receivers in the NFL? And it's certainly possible in another system or with a different quarterback. Uh, there might be more opportunities out there for him. But right now, he's playing in an offense in Cleveland that has been, since Kevin Stefanski got there, really, really productive. Centers around the run game, Nick Chubb, and when he's healthy, uh, Kareem Hunt, the passing game in some regards comes second. So he's never going to get, you know, it's not going to be the Ben McAdoo Giants offense where basically they made the playoffs that year because they threw it to him 20 times a game mm -hmm. and just were like, Odell, try to make something happen because we got nothing else going on. It's never going to be like that in Cleveland. You know, Odell, I'm sure in his mind, and I haven't spoken to him about it, but I would guess he still believes he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He could put up those monster numbers. The offense isn't really geared to do that, but when you get the opportunities, you have to find a way to connect, and Baker and Odell haven't done that. I was told yesterday by a source that uh, 
Denver is is loading up for Aaron Rodgers. That they know that the Packers like draft picks. You know, they don't go to the free agent market very often that they're going to load up if he's going to be available there. And that's why when you trade Von Miller, pick up his salary, and but you're getting a second and third round pick, like we got to have a nice uh, gift offering to the Packers to get Aaron Rodgers. What do you think of that philosophy by Denver? I think it's fair to say the Broncos as of now don't know that they have the quarterback of the future on the roster. Teddy Bridgewater coming in from Carolina, I think for a sixth round pick, beats out Drew Locke former second rounder, it's fair to say you're not committed to either of those guys as your long-term quarterback. So whether it's Aaron Rodgers or something else, the Broncos absolutely are loaded up on capital to have the flexibility uh, to go out and get a quarterback. They've been connected to Aaron Rodgers. He was the MVP of the NFL last season. He's playing at a really high level now. Uh, Aaron told people going back into the offseason with all the drama that Denver was a place that he wanted to be. And we'll see who the head coach ends up being in Denver, too, which also could, you know, alter exactly how Aaron Rodgers looks at things in terms of, you know, where he wants to land. Think about this, though. We had so much quarterback movement last offseason, beginning with Matthew Stafford agreeing to part ways with the Lions. He gets traded to the Rams. You had Carson Wentz, uh, who was on the move. You had, obviously, rumors and some reality, too, to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Well, in this offseason now, Deshaun Watson did not get traded. That is an extraordinarily complicated situation, including the serious allegations of sexual misconduct. You have Russell Wilson. We don't know exactly what direction that's going to go. You have Aaron Rodgers, even though the Packers are playing well, and suddenly Aaron is throwing some bouquets to Brian Gutekunst in the front (laughs) office about the moves that they have made, which don't overlook that. Uh, All three of those guys potentially uh, could be available. This is not regarded as a really good class in the draft in terms of quarterbacks when i've talked to scouts and gms and they're flying around the country watching these guys it's not a really highly regarded group now is somebody going to make one of those guys into the number one overall pick history would say yes someone will convince themselves to do it but if you're looking for a quarterback in 2022 and it's quite likely that the broncos will be you're certainly inclined to be looking at those potential veteran options over the draft, and there's at least three guys, not even counting the one-year contract guys, the Jameis Winstons of the world, uh, there's three guys who everyone's going to be looking at, and those deals, once again, could come well before the start of free agency on March 16th. And uh, and I had a source saying, you know, Rodgers still wants to get back out west, that I think he thought that he was going to go to the Rams, that, that maybe that was going to be the possibility, or he could go to the Niners. You know, when you start going out west, how many teams are out west? Um, that's why they got quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's why Denver seems like the the option. The question is, I mean, who knows what happens the rest of the year, playoffs, you know, any of that stuff. But I I did think that Denver has a philosophy here. You'll you'll have a new head coach next year. Um, you know, they're they're going to try to do. You know, John Elway's probably going to try to do what he did with uh, Manning. You know, re- recruit Aaron Rodgers the best he can. And, uh, you know, I think it fly to Aaron Rodgers. Like, didn't he do that with Peyton Manning? Like he wanted Peyton so badly. He's like, I'm I'm going to fly to you. I, I want to bring you in. And maybe maybe that's what the philosophy is. If you're giving up on Von Miller and uh, that's it. You know, it's an interesting team, though, Tom. I think Denver quietly has a young nucleus that could be a surprise team. It's just in that division, you better have yourself a quarterback because everybody else has a quarterback, even the Raiders with Derek Carr. 
Well, if you're looking at the weapons, and I can guarantee you Aaron Rodgers did that last offseason when he was having various conversations and hoping that he was going to be potentially playing someplace other than Green Bay. I mean, Javante Williams is a good young running back. Uh, obviously, Melvin Gordon in that backfield too. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton at the wide receiver positions. Noah Fant at tight end. They've invested in the offensive line. And defensively, even though you know, you're going through a transition, Bradley Chubb hasn't stayed healthy. You got Patrick Sertan, who looks like a really good young corner. Yeah, there's absolutely some building blocks. And you have to credit their new GM, George Payton, just for what he has done, being able to amass assets right now, not necessarily compromising this season because they're still in the playoff race in the AFC. It's just it's impossible to pass up a second and third round pick for a guy in Vaughn Miller who, in all likelihood, was not going to be with the Broncos uh, beyond this season anyway. So, yes, there's definitely some building blocks in place. Uh, you can also bet, though, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to know who is the head coach. Vic Fangio's in his third year there. We'll see how the rest of this season goes. If there's somebody that Aaron Rodgers likes who lands that job or a different job, that certainly could uh, influence his thinking. And at some point, Aaron Rodgers, too. Remember, he's still under contract for 2022. So there's a conversation that's going to take place after this season. And we'll see what direction it goes. I mean, even if they win the Super Bowl, that does not necessarily guarantee everything is kumbaya and Aaron Rodgers wants to stay there. So we'll see exactly how this entire thing plays out. But at that point, the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers says, listen, even though we won big or we didn't win big, whatever it is, I still want out. The Packers will have two options. One is to say, Aaron, you got one year left on on your contract. You have, we're going to make you play that out and then you can walk in free agency. Or the Packers can say, we know we can trade this guy right now, potentially for multiple first-round picks, build around Jordan Love, reboot the whole thing, as opposed to Rodgers walking after 2022, us getting a third-round comp pick in 2023. That's a critical evaluation, and I'm sure that's something Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, and company have already been thinking through, even at a time where if you watch the Packers play right now, I can't imagine anybody, as much as you want to think long-term, but I can't imagine anybody is rooting for Aaron Rodgers to be someplace other than Green Bay in 2022. Uh, the Rams' philosophy, what do you make of it? it? It's fascinating. In fact, I was talking with a, uh, a GM about this yesterday who said, you know, he thought what they're doing is pretty cool because nobody's done this. I mean, this is breaking the mold of the last 20 years of roster building in terms of giving up virtually all your draft picks next year. And listen, they can still get comp picks and returns. You look at some of those things. If Vaughn walks, for instance, after this season, you give up a second and third to Denver. Well, you get a third back. It's out in 2023, but you get that back if Vaughn signs elsewhere, potentially in free agency. Uh, but they've, they've leveraged themselves to the hilt. I mean, they've been extremely aggressive going all the way back to, you know, last year when they ate Todd Gurley's salary to release him. They had to find a taker for Jared Goff, and they gave up multiple ones to, along to uh, get Matthew Stafford out to L.A. Now you give up two more draft picks. you got virtually no draft capital in 2022, but they're going for it. They're in a competitive market in L.A., They have to look at the Chargers, not that it's a competition necessarily, but you're playing in the same stadium. I would imagine when the Chargers are playing well, they got a hot young quarterback in Justin Herbert, you're thinking, well, we got to make sure that we're going for it every year. So that's what they've done. And I said this, you know, all the way back in March, one of the dynamics I think is fascinating is Matthew Stafford through his entire career has obviously been a really good quarterback, but he's never had pressure on him before. In other words, every time that the Lions either got to the playoffs, they go nine and seven, they lose in the first round again, or they go six and 10. Nobody was going, they got to get rid of Stafford. Everyone was going, it's the Lions. <laughs> Boy, the Lions. If only he weren't on the Lions. Well, that's gone now. You have everything around you. 
uh, if you're Stafford. You know, he always – he plays hurt. He takes a lot of nicks. He kind of keeps himself going. I think that's going to be one of the storylines of this entire, you know, stretch run of the season and into January is just Matthew Stafford on the biggest stage for the first time in his career – there's no excuses. And I think a lot of Matthew as a person having dealt with him through the years. He's obviously been, again, a really good player. But now the pressure's on. It's on John McVay. It's on the rest of that staff. Because if you don't win this year after you went for it, you got to pay for that in some regard because of the capital you've given up in the future. Great stuff, Tom. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Anytime, Dan. Thanks. That's Tom Pelissero covers uh, the NFL for the NFL Network. And coming up Thursday night, Jets Colts on Fox, NFL Network, Amazon Prime Video. We'll check in with the Cincinnati head football coach, Luke Fickle. He'll join us coming up top of the hour. We have an against the grain coming up next. The topic, McLovin, is? Your record isn't what you say you are. Okay. No, that's not right. It's you're not what your record says you are. What's the Bills from Parcells quote, Dan? I don't, I don't, I, I don't find know. out next. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like Playoffs. that. Yeah. We're back, back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, what's up everybody. It's me three time pro bowler, LeVar Arrington. And I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called up on game. What is up on game? You ask along with my fellow pro bowler, TJ Hushmanzada and super bowl champion. Yep. That's right. Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it up on game. We're going to be sharing our real life experiences loaded with TJ moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Scotty Pippen has a book coming out, had some comments, talking about Michael Jordan, said that he was basically a prop for Michael Jordan. Felt that uh, Michael was very dismissive, talking down to him in the documentary. But, okay, Michael doing a documentary about Michael is going to be about Michael and making sure Michael looks good. I don't know why Scotty is so surprised at that. It says Jordan. And Scotty said a lot of that stuff when uh, he was with us a few months back and even said that Michael was uh, manipulating the cameras when they beat the Utah Jazz when Michael had the pass to Steve Kerr and Kerr hit the uh, free throw, uh, the uh, foul line jumper that Scotty said that he did it because the cameras were on there and uh, you have Michael acting as if he was the coach to say, I'm going to throw it to you, Steve. Make sure you hit the shot. But um, I just think Scotty for so many years was not really the focal point of the Bulls. He was just a wonderful player, a complimentary player to Mike. But you had Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, those are big shadows. And I don't think anybody went to Scotty after games and said, hey, I can't wait to hear what Scotty has to say. And maybe that's not fair to Scotty Pippen, but it feels like Scotty is scorched earth. He wants everybody to know sort of what happened. Look, Mike's not a good teammate, you know. I, he, he, he got out there and he was a killer. And we celebrate him for that. We don't hold him accountable for all the stuff he did off the court to his teammates. You know, if LeBron did this, oh my God, there'd be a United Nations inquiry. But, you know, there's no social media. 
you know, we always view it as, well, Michael punched Steve Kerr. Well, that could make Steve tougher. Uh, took a swing at Will Purdue. That makes him tougher. Like, we, 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 we find excuses for Jordan. He's just a wonderful basketball player. And Michael got paid $10 million to do the documentary. Nobody else got paid. I, can't, I don't know how anybody's surprised at this. This is who Michael is. Also, Michael was strategic, and I said this when it happened. LeBron just won a title. Michael had been asked to do this documentary for years. All of a sudden, LeBron starts to creep up with titles and, you know, scoring, and he's going to be the all-time leading scorer, and Mike just drops it. Mike dropped the mic. All it was was a 10-part reminder of how great Michael Jordan was. That's all. It's a whole new generation. That's what happened. So I don't know how anybody's surprised at this. Yeah, Paul. And the other thing with Jordan, he doesn't step off the gas as he gets older. He doesn't ease his role. He steps on people's necks as he gets older. Yeah. In the documentary, he didn't say, like, he wasn't glowing and gracious about Scottie Pippen and his teammates. He gave him the bare minimum of compliments. And he, he hasn't changed. Yeah, I felt bad for Scotty because I, I didn't think Mike celebrated. Mike wouldn't have won these titles. We saw what happened when he didn't have Scotty. Sometimes wouldn't make it out of the first round. You got Scotty. You got one of the great coaches of all time. Uh, Tony Kukoc was wonderful. Rodman was wonderful. But Michael is the one who gets the credit for all of that. And I think Scotty you know, has reason to be upset. But, and you could have been upset a long time ago. Not now. All right, McLovin, against the grain. And the topic is... Okay, uh, these are three teams who are way better than their record. You know, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Not in this case, Dan. A little against the grain break here. Three teams. Do you want to guess who I'm going to Hit say? Hit the music! <laughs> you know me better than anyone. Guess which three te- Guess what, what kind of teams I'm going to go with. Three teams that are way better than their bad record. So all the teams that are... They have losing records. Re- yeah. And they are going to turn it around in a big way. Yes, Paul. I know he's going to work the Eagles in here. Uh, no. Oh. Right division, wrong team. I'm leading strong with this one. The Washington football team? No, I think no, I think Big Blue and the New York Giants are about to go on a serious run. Oh, okay. Because basically they did this last year. Remember they were one and seven and they came back and almost made the playoffs? They have the easiest schedule. They get the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Chargers is a winnable game now. The Eagles again, the Bears, Washington football team. They're pretty good. I watched them against Kansas City. Really paid attention. They've lost fluky games. Here they come. Big blue. You look you look quizzical. Any thoughts on them? Uh, no. I, okay. I, I mean, I don't think the Cowboys are in danger. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't say they were going to make the playoffs. All right. Who's the next one? <laughs> Miami Dolphins are 1-7. and seven. They are way better than a 1-7 team. Yes. yes, they are. They actually all, could have even beaten the Bills last week. They have Houston coming up with their next game. Then they go to the Jets. They have Carolina. They have the Giants. Anyone can beat them. They have the Jets again. They have all sorts of easy teams. So the other thing, too, is they have nothing to tank for now. They don't have their own draft pick, so I think they get hot. And my last turnaround team, uh-huh. go Hawks. Seattle's 3-5. and five. <laughs> Playoff. That's the one thing I think they have a sneaky chance to make the playoffs because Russell got his pin out, and they are coming hard right after the bye. They have Green Bay, Arizona, Washington, some Houston on their schedule too. Do you see the Seahawks making a run at the playoffs? They're three and five right now. 
Yeah, if Russ comes when he comes back, and uh, he's already thrown thrown the ball, so yeah, I would think so. And just because I, of him. And can I assume your Seattle Kraken sweatshirt is also an homage to the Seattle Seahawks? All Seahawks, baby. Yeah, you are not what your record says you are. Tomorrow, three teams are worse than their record. Oh, but they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Thank you, McLovin and Denny Green. Final hour. If you want to crown them, then crown your <laughs> Final hour coming up. Got Aaron Rodgers news coming up here after the break. One more item, hour two, daylight savings time ends this week, which means extra hours sleep for everybody. Yay. And that means an extra hour sleep for me with the sleep number 360 smart bed. By the way, you have Veterans Day sale right now. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed plus special financing. You want to make sure that you wake up, you're ready to take on the day. This is subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com slash Patrick for details. Everybody tries to get that great night's sleep. With the Sleep Number bed, my sleep number setting is 75, by the way. Sleep IQ sleepers, they get the uh, longest night of the year because almost 45 minutes more sleep. You're going to love it. And you come in here and you're refreshed. You're ready to go. You can hear it in my voice. I got a great night's sleep, but then I always do. And sometimes I feel like it's an unfair advantage. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Sleepnumber.com slash Patrick.